My beloved brothers and sisters, welcome again. I must say, Leonia, myself, I'm missing the beautiful smiles of each and every one of you. And also just being able to stand around after service and talk to you. I trust and I believe with our Heavenly Father's help that everything is going well with each one of our families. We do pray for you. We remember you every single day. And we believe that the Lord will he will guide you through this time. Uh, our hearts also goes out in this time to the 100,000 families who lost loved ones through the coronavirus. It is a surely sad time. We see it uh, playing off on our TV screens all over the world. And your hearts goes out to those people. My prayer is that the Lord will use this circumstance for His word to come out and to minister the gospel to people so that their souls might be saved. My heart also goes out to this number, and I want you to listen very carefully. This is to the 11,870,000. Listen, 11,870,000 babies who died through abortion in the same time frame that the coronavirus started. That's a big number. Just yesterday, 125,000 babies were aborted, were killed, were murdered. And I pray for those who are conducting these actions. If we think about numbers which is shocking, uh, and we see the coronavirus numbers coming up to 100,000, and these projections, is, it can end up in the millions. This number is already in the millions. So we have to put it into perspective during this time. But I believe in the, in the Bible and the Bible gives us a lot of guidance and it gives us direction and it encourages us. And more so this scripture in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And I know I'm taking the scripture not in context, but let your heart be encouraged by this verse. It says, and we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. And you might be sitting in a circumstance and you say, but preacher, how can you say that in my circumstance, that all work for good? I've posted these sermons online and I got a feedback and, and one particular person wrote back to me and he said, where is Jesus? I can't see him. And, and you know, people are so outspoken when you start talking about Jesus during these times. And, and this is what the word says. It says that all these things work for good. Uh, and this is a present uh, active indicative word when it says all happens. So it's not something that just happened, but it's continuously going on. So while you're in a circumstance, a difficult circumstance or anything, just know this. Believe in Jesus, trust in God that it will work for the good. And then he continues in that verse, he says, to those who love God. And I believe that you love God. If you love God, have faith in, have trust in him. To those who are called according to his purpose. Every circumstance, we need to ask ourselves and say, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me in this circumstance? Or... What is it that you purpose for me in this circumstance? 
is there something, Lord, that I can help with during this time? So I want to encourage you with that verse in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You're welcome to open up your Bible and underline it and, uh, and just learn it off by heart. The theme for the message today, as we take a break from the book of Mark, is this question. I want to ask this question during this time which they call Easter. And that is the question, whom are you seeking? Think a minute for a, for a minute when I ask the question, whom are you seeking? If you think about the word, the word is whom. It, it points towards a person. It doesn't point towards an object, but a person. And I reckon during this time, which is called Easter, it's a good question to ask. Whom are you seeking? But you see, the problem is people don't want to ask that question. The question that people ask these days is, what are you seeking? What is the difference here? The first question is whom? It, it refers to a person. The second question is to, a what is the object are you seeking? And looking around me and listening to people, I understand what they are seeking. People want to return back to normality. What we are in now, the separation, the social distancing, the lockdowns, for a lot of people, that's not normal. So I can understand that when that question is asked, what are you seeking, that they would say, I want my old life back. For some people, sadly, they would say, I want my job back. Other people will say, but look, I want my freedom back. And we see it playing off that people won't be locked down. And maybe you might be sitting there with something that you will answer that question with. If I ask, what are you seeking? You might say, I want my freedom back. I, I want my social life back. And it was really interesting for me to see on the news when, when I looked through, especially this time of the year, when uh, some of the churches right over the world was talking and there was a priest standing there and a priest said, we've bro broken a hundred year tradition in this church because for the first time we had a mass where there were no people. I don't necessarily think it's a bad tradition to break, but I'll come to that. Because they didn't have people. And if you ask this priest that question, what would you want? What are you seeking? He would say, I want my people back. And so we can have an answer to this question, uh, many fold answers to this question. But brothers and sisters, the question or the answer for these times should be, what is people missing? Um, and I was thinking about this, that all the answers that I got back must what this time of the year is all about. It is all about Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So yes, the question should be, whom are you seeking and not what are you seeking during this time? Now I've looked into this word Easter and, I, and I'm going to talk just three things to you today. I'm going to talk about Easter. I want to give you a little bit of information about Easter. And then we will look at what Paul says about this time of the year. And then I want to end off today about the resurrection, which I think it is a fabulous, absolutely great news. So first of all, let's look at Easter. I went and I looked for a definition about Easter. 
for I wanted to step back and come if it's for the first time somebody tells me about Easter what is Easter all about so I looked for a definition and as you know me I like definitions and then I go back to the word and compare it to the word the definition for Easter according to this one definition is the most important and oldest festival of the Christian church it's a festival according to this definition it's celebrating the resurrection of Christ which is good and held in the Western Church Orthodoxy and all of those between the 21st of March and the 25th of April on the first Sunday and I want you to listen to this definition I says on the first Sunday after the first full moon following the northern spring equinox now that was really interesting for me because if I look at that definition and I think about what the Bible describes this time of the year to be then I come to the conclusion that I and we as Christians should not celebrate Easter now I hope that shock you or I hope it make you attentive because you might be saying wait a minute preacher what are you talking about and I will explain for many years now I've been telling people that I do not celebrate Easter because Easter is not explaining to us what the Bible tells about this first of all we've not taught anywhere in the Bible to celebrate anything a celebration is something you do for a party or you do it's celebrating we don't celebrate Jesus the Bible talks about remembering certain things we remember Jesus there's a difference between celebrating and remembering something and what we are doing right now is we remember Jesus said to us to remember the communion table he says do this in remembrance of me he told us to remember the baptism he says yeah, um, preach to them the gospel make disciples and baptize them what do we remember in the baptism we remember the death and the burial of Jesus Christ and his resurrection so those things are important for us to remember not to celebrate and here we have the same thing so what about Easter let me tell you brother and sister dear friend there is nothing Christian about Easter nothing Christian about it so I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about the origin of Easter where did Easter come from and look there's a lot of information out there you yourself can go and search for the origin of Easter and you will find a lot of these now when we look at the origin of Easter we don't turn to the Bible but the Bible talks about paganism and that's where we find the origin of, of Easter we look at Greek mythology we look at the paganism that goes back right back right back and it started with the Bible so if we want to look at Easter we go back to Genesis chapter 6 to chapter 9 and in this period of time we find that after the flood happened and Noah came out and one of his grandchildren's name is Nimrod and we know Nimrod if you go and read in those chapters you read all about Nimrod Nimrod is the one who walked away from the God of Noah and he went to set up his own kingdom to rule there through his kingdom came the Tower of Babel it's all written in your Bible 
But what is not written in our Bible and what we find, which is substantiated by Eusebius, uh, um, history writer in the Old Testament, and Josephus in the New Testament, only history writers, is that this man, Nimrod, was married to a woman called Semiramis. Now, Semiramis married to Nimrod. Nimrod got killed. And with liking these kingdoms, she wanted to stay in power. But now the husband's gone and she was pregnant at that time, which is written again, you know, in the history books that it was an illegitimate son made out of Cush. It's a, a third man. So she's now pregnant with this baby and she had to spin a story to the people. And she tells the people that Nimrod became the sun god and he impregnated her with this baby. Now, listen very carefully where this is going, because it surely sounds like the Jesus story, the Jesus account, where the Holy Spirit came and he had a virgin girl, and he said to the virgin girl, you will have a son and you will call him Jesus. Here, she had the same story way before Jesus was born, and said that she was impregnated by Nimrod, who's now going to be incarnated in this boy, and when the boy was born, his name is Tammuz. Tammuz. Now, Tammuz grew up. And what you find now is the mother and the baby. And you see these pictures drawn out through mythology and into the Greek histories and everything. The mother and child pictures. We even have it today. If you look at the Roman Catholic Church, you see Mary and Jesus. The mother and the child. This is not where it started. It started back in the day. The mother and the child, you can trace it right back to the Old Testament, way before Jesus. So at this point in time, Semiramis had this young boy, Tammuz, and Tammuz then uh, got killed by a wild boar. And then what Semiramis did, again, she lost a second man, she had to stay in power. So what did she tell the people who just believed her? She told them that he came back in nature. This is now Nimrod through Tammuz came back in nature, which then got celebrated by the first start of spring. This now is going to make a lot of sense for you if you see what the world is doing year after year around this time. But first, let me give you a scripture verse about Tammuz. The Bible do talk about him. There in Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 13, God came to Ezekiel and he showed him the nation. And in verse chapter 8, 8, verse 13, he says, And he said unto me, Turn ye again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. He's talking now about Israel. The abominations that Israel is doing against God. And forever when you follow the history of Israel, they go back to idols. Paganism, pagan worship. And here we find the same thing. In this passage, then in verse 14, he says, Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house. Now, look at this. Here at the door of the, of the Lord, at the gate of the Lord's house. What happened there? It was towards the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for, listen to the name now, for Tammuz. God's people. His elect, his nation, his treasure, who ought to worship God and him alone. 
It is in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods. In the gate of the house of God, these women are sitting there and weeping, not for God, but for Tammuz, this boy. And we find right through the Bible that he talks about the mother or the queen of heavens. Other places he's also called different names, Ishtar. So there's a lot of references to her. So Easter now goes back to the springtime rituals that was instituted by Semiramis. And, and this was following the death of the Mus, which he said was, was coming back as nature. Now, I want you to see the timing of these things. This happened in springtime and all the planets had to align in one line for this to take place. There's only two times a year when it happens during our cycle. So you say, where did the eggs come from? Well, the eggs, or first let's go to the bunny because you see a lot of chocolate bunnies in your stores and it's written all over this. They are fertilized. I mean, if you look at bunnies, they, they reproduce so quickly. So they were seen as an animal of, of fertility. And this is what Semiramis in a promiscuity was pushing out his fertility, the fertility goddess. And then about the eggs is as new life. It brings with the springtime new life. Now we have chocolates about it. And we play with our children, but we don't know the meaning. Which is really interesting. How did it get into the church? Well, in AD 2023-25, the first century, the first major church council came together in, in Nicaea. And they determined that Easter, now already embedded into the church during this time, but they then decided that Easter should take, fall or take place um, on the Sunday that follows the first full moon after the spring equinox. So they decided that this is when Easter should take place. Jesus no longer was part of this discussion. It is not about whom we are seeking, it's what are you seeking. We are seeking for a day to have this festival. Can you see how this has changed? And this is now what's happening. So you say, but what is an equinox? An equinox is a time of the, or a date, and it happens twice a year at which the sun crosses through the celestial equator. And this is the, this is the time of year when the day and night are, are, are the same length. And that's where you find this equilibrium. It's the same length. It only happens twice a year, once in September and the other one in March, more so to the end of March, which now we have. Easter falling on that very same Sunday after these, the equinox took place. My dear friend, brother, sister, I don't know about you, but when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't wait. He didn't wait for sun to come through the equ equilibrium or the equinox happened. No, no. His date is set in time when he died on that cross. The date shouldn't differ. Now this year it's on this Sunday and the next year it's on the other Sunday. It doesn't work that way. I know for a fact that the Bible says he laughed us. It points towards a day and time which is set in God's calendar. It is not Easter. 
It's not, I do not celebrate Easter. I'm not a pagan. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. And I, I celebrate nothing that the world can give me. But I remember, I remember what happened. Now, it is true that when these times come around and it's Easter, we think about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with that. But I won't call it Easter. So, the question then is, what do we remember? We remember the resurrection on today, on Sunday today, of Jesus Christ. So, you see, I'm not sad for that poor priest that said that he had no people, because it's good if people don't turn up for a dead religion. And that's just how I feel about it. So, we do remember the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Now, let me just say it to you, for me, for me, don't have to be you, don't have to be the next person, but for me, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is every day. Every day, I'm reminded of that. Every day, I'm reminded of His death. You say, but how, preacher? Well, let me explain to you that Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, he says, O wretched man that I am. That is in the present tense. O wretched man that I am. This is Paul, the man who wrote the biggest part of the New Testament for you and for me to read by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who spent three years with Jesus in, in the desert of Arabia who received from God which He gives to us, calls himself a wretched man at this point in his life. I would say, Paul, what are you talking about? I see you as, as a holy man, as a saint. But he says, a wretched man that I am. But then he continues on why he says that. He says then, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's talking about this, the body of death. Yes, we are renewed in the inner man day by day. But we are still living in this body. This body is meant to die. If the Lord tarries to come with the rapture, this body is a body of death. Death is written all over it. It decays day by day. It's growing older. You've got a pain here, a pain there. Your hair turned gray. It fall out like mine. This is the body of death. And, and guess what? The same influences on the world. The temptations of the world is still the same on this body of the death. Because I still got a taste of my tongue. I still got a mind that runs wild. And this is why the Bible says we need to train and discipline our minds. It's a daily task. And my brother and my apostle Paul, he says it so clearly, who will save me? And then he says in the next verse, I thank God. What would he thank God for? Through Jesus Christ. Who will, who will save me from this body of death? Thank God. Through Jesus Christ. There's the answer. Oh, I hope you get excited about this because I do. Because there is hope for us. And this is him, Jesus Christ. He says, so then... What with the mind I myself will serve the law and God with my mind. And then he says, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The same man, he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. 
So you ask me, how is it that you are reminded of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day? Because I live in the body of death. My dear friend, brother, sister, if, if, I, if I do something which I shouldn't do, then I want to be reminded uh, about Jesus Christ who died for me for that. Because he, listen to this, he forgave me my sins, past, present and future. Now, do I sin now more so I may have more grace? Paul says, no. No, you don't do that. Every day I'm reminded of his death. His burial and His resurrection. Why His resurrection? Because He forgave me my sins and I'm serving a living Christ. So, yes, I'm getting excited about this time of the year and I, and I remember and I thank God. And I, you know, on Friday, Good Friday, when, when He died for us, He was taken to the tomb and the resurrection day. Glorious! But it's every day for me. Every day. But also, listen to this. I remember that. But also, He gave me His rest every day. Every day. He's my Sabbath. My true Sabbath. So, I'm reminded of this price that He paid for me on that cross every day. But let's see how Paul writes about this time of the year to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. He says, moreover, brethren. I like that word moreover because whenever you read that, you need to read the chapters before that to put it into context. He said some very significant things up to chapter 15. And now he goes, moreover. And I always ask the question then, what over Paul? What is there more? And he, and he says, in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. There is the good news for this time of the year. Whom are you seeking? I'm seeking the gospel. And now we will see where that leads to. He says, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. There's only one thing we need to do, and that's preach the gospel to this world. Don't get tied up. Look, I've taken time in this sermon already talking about mythology, but that is influencing the world so much and it's also penetrated into some churches that I feel obliged sometimes to raise the awareness there of that so that you may know, so that you may know not to be conformed to this world. That's the only reason I do that. But he says, I preach the gospel. And why do I preach the gospel? Because he says there, which you also received. So there's two things happening here. One, he preaches the gospel, but you have to receive the gospel. If you don't, and I see a lot of people who do not receive the gospel, okay? They are so hardened in their hearts, they don't want it. It falls like water off of a, a duck's back, okay? But he says, I preach the gospel and you've received it in which you stand. Three things, preach, receive, and you stand in it. Mark those things down. Some receive it, but they don't make a stand in it. Well, there's a different message in that. But now in verse 2, he says, by which also you are saved. There's only one thing that can save you, and that is the gospel. And what is the gospel pointing to? Jesus Christ. That's the only one that can save you truly. 
He says, I preached to you the gospel. You received it. You stand in it and you are saved by the gospel. This is great news for the season. This is a good message to preach for this time. Not Easter eggs and bunnies and how we play that into the gospel. It's got nothing to do with the gospel. But the true gospel is the blood of Christ. He says, you are saved if you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. So hold fast to it. You stand in it and you hold fast in it. And I know, I know because I sometimes and oftentimes, I look at what's going on in the world and, and, and some days I go, Lord, I'm barely hanging on preaching this gospel. People don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to hear the word in you. They want fables and all of these stories and jump, hop, skip and jump and dim. The, uh, just hang on. That's what the word says and hold on to it. That's what we're going to do. Now, I want you now to listen to verse 3. 1 uh, uh, Corinthians 15 verse 3 says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I received. Twice he said this. Now, he also said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. When we come to the Lord's table, he says, That which I receive I give unto you. There's something I want to say about this. You cannot give anybody anything if you haven't received it. How can I give you something if I haven't got it? And this is so. He received this good news that you're going to hear now in your own ears. He says, For I delivered to you which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Selah, I rest my case. See why he's my resurrection every day? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Whom are you seeking? Not what are you seeking? And that he was buried. Selah. Think about that. That's finality. If, if, if you're at a funeral... While that body is not put in the ground and buried, it still continues on. But the moment you bury somebody, it's final. You can also see in times when people mourn, uh, one part of mourning, once you lay the person to rest and the grave is filled, the mourning starts to heal. And here he says he was buried and that he rose again. Oh, that's the great news. Three things. He died, he was buried, he rose again. Paul writes this to them on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve. And then he goes on to say by five hundred and so on. He gives us a witness. He gives us a witness that Jesus Christ wasn't, his body wasn't stolen from the grave as back in the day they wanted to say. He didn't disappear into gases like the Jehovah Witnesses say. No. No, no, he was risen from the grave. We serve a risen God, a risen Jesus Christ. He was risen on the third day, and then they saw him. Now, I want to close with the following now. I want to go to the resurrection day, because it is Sunday, uh, the day of resurrection. I want to read you the account of what happened at the tomb on that day. We find this in John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, verse 1, he says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. Very early she went to the tomb. While it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. This is a big thing. 
This is a massive thing. Three days ago, they laid him in the tomb. They rolled a big stone in front of it. They sealed it. And there was a, there was a wax on, on the front. And they put the emperor's key ring into that. That means it's locked. Whoever breaks that takes the full wrath of, of the emperor upon them. Not only that, they had a garrison of soldiers who were standing their guard. So they were protecting the tomb. And here Mary comes up on the first day of the week. Turns up there and what happens? The stone is gone. This is a massive thing. And it really grabbed her attention so much that she ran back. She came to Peter and John and says, the stone's gone. There was an action down at, at, at the cross. Oh, I love it. They, they, there's a new, I mean, maybe next year this time I'll pray about the action at the tomb. I'll put that into the memory bank, okay? The action at the tomb. She said to him, hey guys, there's action at the tomb. And they ran. They made a beeline for it. Peter outran John. Came down there to tomb and, it, and it's open. And Peter didn't go in. He just poked in. But when John came in, both of them went in. And there was the grave clothes lying there. And the head one, the napkin, uh, was lying on one side, folded up neatly. Now, there is a lot of uh, uh, people who, who say they're significant in, in it being there. So, so be it. But for me, the most important was Jesus was not there. His beaten down body was not there. These men couldn't understand it. They look around and they walk back. But now we find Mary. And I love this passage. And my prayer is that the Lord will bless you with what you're going to hear now. In John chapter 20 verse 11, But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. She's weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, crying, heartbroken. I want you to feel the agony twice over now, weeping at the cross, broken down to see the broken body of Christ. And now we come, they've laid him in the tomb, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, coming down to pay her respects. It's open and now the body's gone. Now she's weeping again. Where's my Jesus? You see where this is leading to the question that's going to be asked? Where's my Jesus who wept? So he looked into the tomb in verse 12. Says, and he saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Now think about this. When he was hanging on the cross, he had two robbers and murderers with him on the cross, one on each side. Two, when he went out. When he said, Tetelestai, it's finished. I find it so beautiful and perfectly that here, in the tomb, is sitting two angels. God's got a wonderful way of correcting things, hasn't he? It doesn't matter what things are meant for by people. What is the verse, Romans 8.28? All things work for good. Here she looks down, she sees these two angels sitting there. And uh, now comes our question. Listen to this now. Then they say to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. You see, she was looking for somebody. She wasn't looking for something. She still said, My Lord. 
She didn't say my the body or the corpse or anything. It still meant so much to her. She said, I don't know. Now, in verse 14, when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. This fascinates me. Here is somebody who loves him so much that one would think that she would recognize him first of all, straight away. But you see, the thing is, brother and sister, they, she didn't expect him to see him the way he was there, standing in front of her. She, in her mind, was clouded with grief. She's seen him dead. She saw him when he came off the cross dead. They put the spear in the side of him. There's no more blood. He's dead. Couldn't recognize him. Her, 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 her mind was clouded. And, and, and let me just say it now. So often time when you and I come into a circumstance and it's so tough on us, our minds get clouded. And it's when our minds get clouded that we started to invite into our spiritual lives doubt. And when doubt starts taking reads of our hearts, in comes fear. Faith disappears and fear starts taking over. We know what fear do. Fear, it stalls you. And here we see that she says, she says to them, I'm looking for my Lord. And Jesus stands there right in front of her. And Jesus said to her, now I want you to listen to this now in verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And here comes our question now. Whom are you seeking? I told you that is a good question for this time of the year. Whom are you seeking? She's there. I mean, hello. She's looking for, she said it to the, to the angels. She said to them, I'm looking for my, they've taken my Lord away. And I don't know, I can't find him. I don't know where Jesus is. So many people in these circumstances don't know where he is. Where is Jesus? I, I know, some Christians even. Sometimes when it's really dark in your life and things are, and even in this time, you know, you've taken away from your social groups and everything. You're feeling so lonely and you're sitting there and you don't know where Jesus is. They've taken him away. Where is Jesus? Well, I've got good news for you. He's standing right there. You might not be recognizing him right now, but he might be speaking to you through this message, but he might be there right with you. And he says to you, why are you weeping? Why are you so troublesome? Exactly like he said to Mary, whom are you seeking? Now, she's supposing him to be the gardener said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. I will. I want to take Jesus away. I, I, want to, I want to hold him with me, to be with me. Still her mind is clouded. Oh, but I love the next part. Because Jesus said to her, Mary. He said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabuni, which means teacher. She knew. The moment he called her name. And this is what I find when Jesus said to the disciples there in John. He said to him, I'm the shepherd, the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. And you know what? If we know the Savior, we know his voice. And if 
If we are His, He calls us by name. He will call you by your name. And He calls you by your name right now. He says to her, Mary. And, and just by that voice coming out and calling her name, she recognized Him straight away. I'm telling you today, in your darkest hour, you call on Him and He will call your name. But the question is, do you know Him? And whom are you seeking? Are you seeking what the world can give you? Or are you seeking Jesus, our Lord? And I've got good news for you today. He's alive. And here he says, teacher, Jesus said to her, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciple that she's seen the Lord and what he has spoken to her. I love this passage in the Bible. It is so personal for me. It is absolutely personal. Because the moment he called her name, she found who she was looking for, whom she was looking for. I'm going to pray in a few minutes now, but I want to really talk to you directly today. And I want to say, I don't know what you're going through. Some of you, brothers and sisters, I haven't seen now for three weeks. Some of you have heard your voice. Some I haven't heard. But I know this. Don't seek for me. Don't look for me or my wife or anybody else. Seek Jesus. Call on His name. Fall on your knees. Even now, after this, I pray the Holy Spirit just touch you. That you fall on your name and cry out to Him and say, Jesus, I'm seeking whom are you seeking today? Let the world cry out what they want to cry out, but you seek Jesus. He is the answer, my friend. May the Lord bless you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will, that you will hear our voices as we call out to you. We are looking for Jesus, our Lord. Father, I pray that you touch our ears that when you call our names, when you call my name and my brothers and sisters' names, that we will say, Rabuni, our teacher, that we will recognize that voice. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. We worship you and we praise you and we thank you. Go with everybody. In isolation, Lord, is not a good thing. It's not meant for children of God. We are meant to fellowship. Father, help us during this time. Amen. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. That's our message for today. Um, Wednesday's uh, Bible study will continue. And I'm looking forward to see you there. God bless.